0: Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose.
1: This is TMA with Nick Hamilton.
0: Wake yo goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like it just came out of the basement.
1: TMA with Nick Hamilton. You
0: know what I'm saying? Thank you because now! <laughs>
1: now we bring out our buddy Nick Hamilton hey what's going on everybody welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, slam radio channel 145 shout out to DJ Dash approved for the fire intro that's right this is going to be my new intro for the show hope you guys like it hope you guys get used to it had to do something a little different being that uh we're definitely coming up into a brand new month hope everybody had a great turkey day holiday hope you stuffed your face hope you did everything you needed to do uh spend some time with with your family if you were able to hope everybody was continuing to practice social distancing and wearing those masks i know some of you guys did not uh <laughs> i don't know what to tell you but anyway you know it, it was all good i had a good holiday i know we were gone for a whole week so we back like we never left and uh the leftovers definitely hit different on the second and third day. I will attest to that. And I'm still eating leftovers. I don't know when I'm gonna stop eating turkey and everything else. I don't know. When does it get boring when you start eating turkey? Like, do you start making like turkey stew or turkey sandwiches or whatever? Or do you just get rid of turkey altogether? Some people have ham, some people have honey baked ham. I don't participate in the swine. That's just me. But for those that that do hey man i hope you enjoyed it and i hope it was a great uh time i know we're under a kind of a rough period uh with all the numbers that are spiking dealing with COVID. so hopefully everybody had a good holiday and a safe one at that and um listen it's a lot going on and we have a lot to talk about we've been off the air for a week the weekend the upcoming week has been wild some great things to talk about your man nate robinson Got to get into that first and foremost. Nate Robinson and Jake Paul, who participated in the exhibition, exhibition, excuse me, boxing match uh, that led up to the main event against uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Nate Robinson, first and foremost. I give him a lot of props for even stepping in the ring. But my question is, and I know a lot of people, some people have defended him on social media because social media tore him a new butthole when it came to the level of clowning and laughing that we were doing because he was knocked out in the second round around the two minute mark i mean my man went to sleep night night wanna go night night that's exactly what he did he went night night and the memes were going bananas i mean my phone was blowing up because i had so many notifications of nate robinson in different positions and him getting a sleep number bed commercial and all of these other things that that The Internet remains undefeated in and it was completely hilarious. And yes, we got these jokes off because that's exactly what you're entitled to. When you get slept, not knocked out. I'm talking about you slept, you're drooling, you you, you see Z's coming out from the top of your forehead. Yeah, that was Nate Robinson. I mean, my man was stretched out. And listen, I gave him props. I know a lot of people say, well, some of y'all wouldn't get into a boxing ring. Like Nate Robinson, yeah, you know why we won't get that boxing ring? Because we're all smart. And we understand that that's not our lane. And Nate Robinson wanted to, you know, bump his gums a little bit and stick his chest out and say, hey, I'm representing for all the NBA players around the world. I'm representing for all the athletes. You did a piss poor job, my friend, because you got knocked up, out. Literally. And yes, we're going to shoot these jokes. I don't give a damn what Floyd Mayweather has to say, trying to defend him. I know a lot of other people try to defend Nate Robinson. Listen, you got knocked out. And the thing about it is, who suggested to Nate Robinson this was a good idea? Who told him, you know what, Nate, yeah, man, that sounds like a great idea. Go with the dude that 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 fights on a normal basis, a guy that, that makes sure he stays in the gym a, a lot more than you do, Go ahead and step in the ring with them. I mean, my, who taught this dude how to box? My man had no defensive skills whatsoever. None. My man didn't even have, they didn't even want to put the headgear around my guy. They just said, hey, send him in. You know, he reminded me, excuse me, reminded me of? Anybody watch Uptown Saturday Night with Sydney Poitier and Bill Cosby, a movie that came out back in the 70s, one of my favorite classic movies. You know who Nate Robinson was? Bootney Lee Farnsworth, fighting 40th Street Black, who happened to be Jake Paul. Too bad, though, you couldn't get a Sidney Poitier character to hypnotize Nate Robinson, aka Bootney Lee Farnsworth. Maybe he could have won the fight or avoided getting knocked out. Because that's what I saw in this round. And yes, you're gonna have to take these jokes, Nate Robinson. You got to sit on these jokes for at least a week or two. And don't worry, somebody else will, will take your place and we'll clown them just as much as we're all clowning and laughing at you. None of us are laughing with you, we're laughing at you. And it's okay, we still got love for Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson is still an incredible NBA player, slam dunk champion, has the heart of a lion. It just, that heart just didn't come in, in the boxing ring. That's all. No big deal. Nate Robinson is still going to be Nate Robinson. And then he wants a rematch, I would fire every single last person of my management team that ever thought that it was okay for me to step into a boxing ring with a guy that trains on a regular basis. Are you crazy? I'm not getting in the ring with an MMA guy. I'm not getting in the ring with anybody that's outside of my lane unless I have to only time I'm fighting is, is if I have to. If I don't have to fight, I'm not stepping in for no charity. I'm not stepping in for nothing. It's not my lane. God has a plan for my life, and that ain't it. Not at all. Not at all. And then you got Mike Tyson <laughs> against Roy Jones, and Roy Jones out there looking flabby and sick. Looked like he didn't. He ain't. He ain't lifted a dumbbell. More like he been lifting donuts in the last three and a half four years mike looked like he been he was ready mike was trying to tear off roy jones's head if roy jones wasn't with the wrestling moves and trying to bear hug and 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 hang on to mike tyson he was hanging on for dear life mike was trying to knock him out the ring mike was thought he was still mike tyson for mike tyson's punch out remember them six seconds that's what mike that's what iron mike was on iron mike was trying to tear his head off roy jones like hey man you this is an exhibition mike don't know nothing about no exhibition when it comes to fighting mike knows one way about fighting that's to knock you the hell out and that's what mike was trying to do and they and they had the audacity to talk about it was a draw everybody in their right mind stevie Wonder knew that that mike tyson won that fight and mike tyson should have won but the real person who was the victor of the night Besides us who paid attention, those of you that spent the 50 bucks on the fight, I did not. I had the hookup. I'm not going to lie. And yes, I'm going to floss because I didn't waste $50 for that fight. The real champion of the night was Snoop Dogg. Because Snoop made that whole card interesting more than what it was worth. You had two fighters that are millennium, millenniums past their prime. You had another fight where a guy had no business being in the ring, and Snoop made that possible. Snoop made it, made that type of programming viewable. Snoop was absolutely terrific. He was the MVP that night, as far as I'm concerned. Snoop needs to call at least about ten Laker games, and I will. I want Snoop to call at least five to ten L.A. Kings games. Yeah, I want to see Snoop call hockey games. You're damn right. Because Snoop was entertaining. He was funny. He said it was two uncles fighting in the, at a barbecue. I mean, Snoop was it was thoroughly entertaining. Snoop was real. He was to the point. He gave you that commentary that you would talk about in the barbershop or in your backyard or at a barbecue. He was authentic. And that's what I loved about Snoop. So Snoop was the real winner that night. And I, was, I thoroughly enjoy Snoop being on there. I hope he calls even more, more boxing matches. Maybe we'll get an Evander Holyfield against Mike Tyson exhibition match and Snoop can call that one. because that would be hilarious because if I'm Evander Holyfield, I got ear grips all over because I ain't forgot what happened. Did you all forget what happened? If you did, go Google it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, yeah, props to Snoop Dogg. Props to to all the fighters involved. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was a good exhibition. Something else to do on a Saturday night besides, oh, let me think, nothing since we're all damn near locked down. You can't go out past 10 o'clock if you're in the state of California. Speaking of which, the Los Angeles Chargers. Goodness gracious. I love Justin Herbert. You've heard me numerous times say how much I love Justin Herbert. I think this kid is dynamite. I think he's the real deal. I know a lot of us. And a lot of people out there thought he would he wouldn't make it the first year or he would struggle his first year in a, you know in the league or whenever that first year would come. I know many of us thought it was premature to put him out there this soon because he needed some work, and I was one of them. I thought, hey, you know what? If he had a year under his belt, he could be potentially a lot better than we expect him to be. But shoot, the hell with that! Justin slipped in like a glove. He fit like a glove, and not only that, Justin Herbert has a lot of strength and i don't mean just physical strength i mean mental strength something you don't see in a lot of young quarterbacks these days yeah we could talk about his strong arm we could talk about his poise we could talk about how he likes to take a hit and get right back up how he's very optimistic how he likes to galvanize the players in a locker we could talk about all of those things and all of those things are absolutely true and worth talking about but my my whole situation in my point of view is the fact that justin herbert is mentally tough he has the mentality of, of almost I would close to being a veteran as if he played professional football for at least six to seven years. When you look at guys like Pat Mahomes, when you look at guys like Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Deshaun Watson. You have to put Justin's name right up there. Why wouldn't you? He's definitely a top 10 quarterback. Because beyond the names that I just mentioned, even Ben Roethlisberger, beyond the names that I just mentioned, would you not put Justin Herbert in your top ten, at least nine or ten? Why not? The kid was sensational. I mean, he, yes, the Chargers lost against the Bills 27-17 on Sunday, but he finished 31-52, 316 yards, a TD, an INT. He was sacked three times. Now, not maybe not his best game especially coming off the game he had previous in the previous week against, yes, the New York Jets. And I understand it was the Jets, a completely different team. This is a, the Bills are 180 degrees better than the Jets. Every, every team in the league is better than the New York Jets. So I know that may not be saying much before a rookie against a pro team of any kind. He still put up over 300 yards. And they took away his, his 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 weapons and his receivers. They took away Keenan Allen. They took away Mike Williams. Hunter Henry didn't have that great of a game either. The running game was solid though, because they had Austin Eckler back in the fold. So that took a little bit of pressure off the offense. You know, you had Joshua Kelly score a second career touchdown in the game. And I think that kid is going to be dynamite and sensational. But looking ahead, they have about five games left in the season. How many games are those five will they win? I don't think they'll win many, to be quite honest. And why would you? I mean, at this point, it's about who looking at, looking at the future, looking at the season for 2021 and how that's going to shape out for you. Because when I look at this Chargers team and I look at the quarterback, I think they have a phenomenal quarterback. I know year two is going to really tell the tale. But as of right now, I think Justin Herbert is the real deal. And I think Justin Herbert is going to be their quarterback that they've been looking for the last couple of years. And they've been needing the last couple of years, most importantly. So when I look at the Chargers overall as an organization, as a team, and I'm saying to myself, and I see a lot of people on Twitter are talking about, hey, they're calling for Anthony Lynn's head, they're calling for his job, and I understand all of that. And listen, I like Anthony Lynn. I I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a good guy overall, but I think Anthony Lynn, it may be time for Anthony Lynn to move on to greener pastures. I think it may be time for Tom Telesco to move on to greener pastures. Because if the Chargers are absolutely serious, and, I, and, and again, I've said this t- before and I'll say it again, I like Dean Spanos as an owner. I think he was absolutely smart for leaving San Diego when they wouldn't give him a stadium. So what else would you do? Move to the second largest market and double the value of your team. Can't hate the man for that. I know people in San Diego don't like it. And that's fine. You lost your team. I get it. But don't necessarily just blame Dean Spanos. Blame the politics of the situation. That's why they left. But on top of that, now Dean Spanos has got to have an L.A. mentality. You got to leave that San Diego mentality behind. You have to now start thinking from an L.A. standpoint. What's going to be the biggest factor of me making my team a success and having a name in this city that reigns supreme? Or at least in contention to reign supreme? Well, some of the things you have to do is you got a clean house. anybody with that's not na- last name of Spanos needs to be gone. That means Tom Telesco needs to be gone, Anthony Lynn needs to be gone, the coaching staff, the training staff, everybody needs to be gone. You need to start fresh. Only person that needs to stay, and there's only one individual that needs to stay in the organization, and that's Pep Hamilton, because of the remarkable job that he has done with Justin Herbert and the relationship that he's developed with Justin Herbert, and you don't want to tinkle with that chemistry. So that's the only name that needs to remain in the Chargers organization is Pep Hamilton. Outside of that, go. And I'm going to tell you who I think is a good replacement for Tom Telesco. In case you didn't hear it before, I'll say it again. His name is Lewis Riddick. I think Lewis Riddick would checks a lot of boxes. I think the man is well in tune with the league. I think he's still tapped in with the league. He has executive experience dealing with the Carolina Panthers once upon a time. He still is connected with a lot of executives in the NFL. He does a great job in, with Monday Night Football. He knows the game in and out. He understands and is able to relate to players from today and yesteryear so you have that you have that connection and if there's a talk about also on top of the of him being an intelligent individual the fact of the the lack of upper management when it comes to black folks having an opportunity to be in positions of upper management there you go right there very qualified candidate and i think he will represent the organization as well as himself very well so that would be my vote as the chargers new gm would be lewis riddick Now, as as it pertains to the coaches, I still say that the Chargers need a rock star of a head coach. You look what the Rams did with Sean McVay. Sean McVay was all the talk of the town. Sean McVay was the hot thing on the street. Right? He coordinated. And look what happened. After a couple of years, he got to the Super Bowl. All his other coordinators started getting head coaching or other coordinating positions. Sean McVay hasn't won a thing as of yet. But look at what, look at, look how far they've come. And Sean McVay's name was all through a lot of circles. His offense was talked about because it was something new or something fresh that people haven't haven't been able to dissect at the time. So you need a rock star name. You need a rock star head coach if you're going to put the Los Angeles Chargers in contention. In this city of L.A., not even talking about the league, just in the city of Los Angeles, because, again, this is a Dodger and a Laker town. Let's understand that. Even though the Rams are where they are in the city when it comes to football, but this is still a Dodger and a Laker town and everybody else. So if you're the Los Angeles Charger and you want to get up off the bench and get in the game, you got to have a rock star head coach. And I'm saying Jim Harbaugh would be great. I think Jim Harbaugh. His professional record is good. His collegiate record stinks through the roof. My God, I'm sure Michigan can't wait to boot him out the door and take that key card away from him. But putting Jim Harbaugh with Justin Herbert in that offense and to be able to kind of rebuild that offense and retool that offense could work wonders long-term. Look what he did with Alex Smith. Look what he did with Colin Kaepernick. Look what he did on on the collegiate ranks with Andrew Luck. And if it wasn't for injury, Andrew Luck would still be playing. Let's be clear about that. So if you're Justin Herbert and you're the Los Angeles Chargers, you want a Jim Harbaugh in your ear. And he's worked with Pep Hamilton before, so that works perfectly. Get you some really good coordinators. Defensive coordinator could be, if Todd Bowles doesn't get a head coaching job, I'd go after Todd Bowles, especially if they fire Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. I'd go after Todd Bowles. I'd go after Matt Patricia who I think is a really good defensive coordinator. Jim Harbaugh is the quarterback whisperer. And I'm going to tell you another name that I think people are are sleeping on and don't want to take advantage of. Urban Meyer. Don't be surprised if Urban Meyer's name starts coming up in certain circles. If I'm the Los Angeles Chargers, I take a look at Urban Meyer for this particular reason.
2: Well, so many of us are excuse-makers. I mean, that's way, that's part of who we are, and it, and it shouldn't be that way. When you see a team struggle, the first thing the fans and the, and the media blame are the players, or they blame the coaches. It's never more evident than in the NFL. I always laugh every week when I'll hear someone say, well, they got bad players in the NFL, some team that always struggles. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Think about what you just said. There's not a bad player in the NFL. They're NFL players. Same with a coach. You can't say, well, he's a bad coach. Now, maybe they're not coaching well. Or maybe the player's not playing well, but that's where I always say, lift under the hood. Never make excuses. When, when I was a coach, I would never let one of my coaches say, he's a bad player. I'd warn him, say, say that again, you probably have to leave because that's just, you're making excuses. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. dig deep and find out why. Every time I've had a team struggle, every time, it's fallen into one of three categories. Number one, there's some trust issue. The players don't trust the coach. The coach don't trust the players. Or awful when the players don't trust each other number two really think about it, it's called a dysfunctional work environment reggie and that's that where the expectations are very high but we don't work hard i've been there before coach it's and, uh, and the coach has to be real clear with his team say wait a minute that's going to lead to frustration anger disappointment because we want to win a championship i got news guys we're not working hard so quit, stop with the yeah. expectations if you're, you're Work ethic must exceed or equate your expectations. That's a good environment. And the last one is real obvious. You got a selfish team, man. You got problems on your team. Football is an unselfish sport. That means you got to do the nasty. That means I'm a running back. I got to go protect from my quarterback. Yeah. That, you don't always get to carry the ball. Sometimes you have to run down a kickoff 22 miles an hour and throw yourself into someone coming 15 miles an hour the other way. That's not fun. Why would you do that? Because you love your team and your teammates. So when you hear mm. LSU, Penn State Wolverine struggling. Stop with the bad players. I, I get sick of hearing that. It's not the players. Mm. I don't think it's the coaches, but there's something wrong. Lift the hood, find out one of those three things is usually the reason.
1: Now you see what I'm saying? You need a coach like him on the professional ranks with a with a a, a a potentially rookie of the year candidate coming into 2021. The Chargers have options, folks, but let's just see if they take advantage of those options and those options play in their favor long term. All right. Coming up on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Rams and their struggles, as well as the NFC West, who I believe is the toughest division in all of the NFL. I'll have my my guy break everything down, give me some insight, see what's going on in the world of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, his name is Eric Williams from Sports Illustrated. So make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out the TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's
3: go. This is Tua Tungle by Loi. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Everybody, What's up? This is Gronk, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio.
1: Sirius XM, yeah. all right everybody welcome back to tma with nick hamilton here on sirius xm slam radio 145 and yes the los angeles rams as i told you before the break the los angeles rams are a tricky team they've beaten teams that they should have beaten struggled with some teams that they shouldn't have struggled with lost and then tried to make an enormous comeback only to fall short because lack of clock time that's been the story of the los angeles rams season this year immense COVID-19 issues and to break it all down I have a gentleman who I think who I believe is the professor of football I like to call him he's a very (laughs) well-versed individual Uh, he has had he's covered uh, the world of the NFL for ESPN and now covers the world of the NFL under Los Angeles Rams for Sports Illustrated ladies and gentlemen the one and only Eric Williams what's going on Eric how you doing
4: What's going on, Nick? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I guess I'll roll with the professor for now.
1: Well, yeah, you know, you taught me a, a, a bunch and I'm sure you taught a lot of other people a lot. So that's what that's 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 my respect title. I like to give you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, man.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the loss on Sunday. Uh, the, the 49ers came in uh, they pretty much continued that that mental dominance over the los angeles rams they won 23 to 20 thanks to a late uh game winning field goal and so when i looked at the los angeles rams i look at this, this 49ers team who's been plagued with between COVID and injuries um they they have been pretty much still on point uh there's still a a, a a hair's chance of getting into the wild card race and then also too when i looked at when i watched the game on sunday it seemed like they really shrunk the field uh, they made sure they 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 ran their defense their way. And the problem seemed to be pointing at not only the Los Angeles Rams as a team, but at Jared Goff, who sh- who was brought in to deliver the deep ball and couldn't deliver the deep ball.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, Jared Goff is kind of like the team itself. He, he's an enigma. You know, there's games where he just goes and plays lights out. Like a couple weeks ago on the road against Tampa Bay, I, I thought he had his – Perhaps his best performance it was his best performance of the season. Three for three, seventy-six, uh, just led them as an offense. Was accurate, um, showed ability to, to, to you know make plays against the blitz. Um, and then you watch him against the Niners, and you're like, is this the same guy you saw two weeks ago? Um, as you mentioned, the Niners shrunk the field, basically dared Goff to throw deep. He had a couple guys open at times, but wasn't able to deliver the ball and then just made some head-scratching mistakes that you wouldn't expect a guy his caliber that's been in the league as long as he has to make. Um, He's got 14 turnovers on the season, tied with with Cousins for second most uh, in the league. Only Carson Wentz has more at 18, and since 2017, Goff has given it up 62 times. And only Jameis Winston has more. And Jameis Winston is now the third string quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. That you right. talk about kind of company he's keeping right now in terms of turning over the football. The the issue with me with Goff is with the way that the defense is playing for the Rams, they're playing lights out. He just has to manage the game. He doesn't have to to be a hero out there. Just make the plays that are that are there to be made. Don't give the ball to the other team. And you have a pretty good chance that you're going to win the game. And I don't know if that's Goff's issue or if that's McVeigh's issue in, in terms of just wanting to to get to these innovative plays where he feels like he has mismatches, and maybe he's putting too much trust in his quarterback to be able to deliver for him. Because as you've seen, he's he's delivering the past, um, but you can't have these these games where he has these these setbacks in terms of his development because. Of where you know people think that this team could be at the end of the year, um, so that's kind of where how I see golf right now. I believe at times he he can be a top ten quarterback, but then when you see games like this, it kind of gives you reservations and pause.
1: Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought up uh, head coach Sean McVay because as I was cruising through Twitter on Sunday night, you know the Twitter's the, the Twitterverse likes to go hard when the fans don't like that, what their that, team. That can be done. a scary place. <laughs> It can be for some. It absolutely <laughs> could be there for some, and especially for Sean. And the one thing I noticed about what a lot of fans pretty much tweeted in common was the fact that if it, they weren't necessarily totally blaming Jared Goff for his, his, his lackluster performance, but they were more looking at the play-calling abilities or the inabilities uh, of Sean McVay and how they were saying, well, what's be, really being camouflaged here? Is it the fact that Jared Goff? and his his weaknesses are being more camouflaged or the fact mm-hmm. of the inability of Sean McVay not being able to make those those top-notch play calls like as we've seen him in, in years prior.
4: And I think further magnifying that is the fact that he's going against Kyle Shanahan who he he grew up in a league coaching with and and Shanahan has kind of been McVay's kryptonite to be honest. I mean, they've lost four straight to the Niners. It seems like Shanahan is in his head a little bit and kind of knows already what mcvay is going to do before he does it and the defense is just kind of a step ahead of of, in terms of what mcvay wants to do on offense and then along with that i feel like with mcvay being an offensive coach it's hard for him to kind of take a back seat to the defense which is really leading this team right now i mean this is a this is a defensive team their best players are on defense aaron donald jalen ramsey he brought in this new defensive coordinator brandon staley that that's that's putting in work. I mean, defense is top five in the league. They're they're really lead team. And so, if you're a head coach who is a who is known for being an innovator on offense, it's got to be hard for your ego to go out and watch the defense and not kind of want to contribute uh, as a, as a, as an offensive mind. And so maybe maybe he has to humble himself a little bit. And I'm I'm sure McVay knows the deal. He's a great coach. He's a smart guy. Um, but I think when you're in the moment it can be hard to maybe kind of dial it back a little bit and really kind of it's okay to punt and, and let your, your defense
1: go. We had a little bit of technical issues. with. I'm sure Eric will be joining us momentarily. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree with him. I think Sean McVay is a good coach. Yep, I'm here. Are you back, Eric? Yep. Okay. Had a little technical difficulty. You go got ahead. Me? Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. <laughs>
4: Yeah, just, just like I was saying before, I, I think that McVeigh is a good coach, but I do feel like um, in those situations where golf is struggling a little bit, he's got to kind of dial things back and really play from a defensive mindset. And it's okay to win a game 2017 versus, you know, 33 to, to 27 if your defense is playing that well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the defense because I know, I know you were at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. I was on the call uh, and, and to me, it seemed like Aaron Donald, as much as he's been dominant this season, I mean, he's had 10. I think it's the, this is what the fifth season or no, the fifth time in the season. He's had 10 plus sacks in a season, something to that degree mm-hmm. um, yep. where he looked a little frustrated as if, hey, man, we're doing the heavy lifting and what's going on with the offense. And I'm not saying that there's any kind of riff where I don't want to even allude to there's any kind of riff right. in the locker room, but it's it, 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 it's it seemed to. For the first time, at least it appeared to me that it starts to weigh on guys like Aaron Donald and the rest of that defense. Like, hey, we're doing a heavy lifting. What's up with the other side?
4: Yeah, I think that's natural Anytime that you have one side of the, the ball playing better than the other side. It, that's going to be natural. They're going to be looking at the other side of the ball like, hey, can you guys kind of get your stuff together and maybe we can win this game? Um, I don't think there's any rift between offense and defense. And, I, and Aaron Donald kind of talked about it said, hey, when the offense is struggling a little bit, it's up to the defense to go out there and kind of make some plays to kind of create a spark for the offense. And they did that. You know, Aaron went out there and and had a a strip that that led to a touchdown for Troy Hill, uh, a 27-yard fumbler, which gave a spark to the offense. And the offense finally uh, were able to get going a little bit. And so, you know, they could go both ways. I mean, earlier uh, in McVeigh's career, really it was the offense that was carrying this team. They were scoring... 34 points a game, and that was kind of the talk of this team the first two years that he was with this organization. And so back and forth, uh, but the offense definitely kind of needs to pick things up for them to kind of have balance and be able to play complementary football.
1: Absolutely. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM XM, Slam Radio 145 with my guest from Sports Illustrated, L.A. Rams reporter Eric Williams. So, Eric, let me let me touch on this, too, because it's something that you you had touched on uh, on a tweet uh, that you put out, I believe, earlier in the week. And it, it really mm-hmm. made sense. And, and I'm paraphrasing when I say this, but when you look at the L.A. Rams, you look how dynamic they are offensively. I mean, you think about Cooper Cup, you think about Robert Woods, uh, yep. uh, Reynolds, you look at, you know, the running back core with Malcolm Brown and, and, and Cam Akers who has been sensational in the last few yep. weeks. What happened? Or what changed for this team in your estimation from them going to top from uh, I could call Tampa Bay uh to play the bucks and Tom Brady <laughs> and then now they're playing a, a team that seems to be lesser than on paper uh, yeah. uh, with the San Francisco 49ers what changed in, in that week
4: I think a couple of things Nick first it's the division game so that team knows them really well and division games are always going to be a little more hotly contested because of the familiarity when you talk about personnel and scheme and, and coaching staff. So I think that's part of it. For me, the second part of it is I feel like McVeigh kind of lost his way a little bit in terms of what was effective earlier in the year. We kind of talked about it. You know, this team was a running team. You know, they were averaging 140 yards at con- contest. They had that three-headed uh, monster, where you talked about, Cam Akers, Henderson, uh, and Malcolm Brown. And, you know, when you talk about offensive line, I think their offensive line has really been the strength of that offense because of their ability to protect Jared and create running lanes um, offensively. And if you talk to any of offensive linemen, they would rather go forward than backwards. So for me, I really feel like they have to create – they have to lean on the running game and play from that kind of mindset, get the running game going, and then that opens up the play-action game. I think sometimes at times they get away from running the football um and and i really talked to uh the offensive linemen about this and they feel like if they can generate some some runs early on pop a couple runs that's going to kind of put that defense back on their heels a little bit and then they could get going other things off of that so i think you know moving forward i'm interested to see what happens with the cardinals you know will they try to get cam going because cam to me is is maybe their most dynamic playmaker. And you saw it on that 64, 61 yard run. He's just got a lot of juice. So you have to get that guy in space and, and see if he can create some explosive plays for you. Obviously, Daryl Henderson is an explosive guy as well. When you look at them at receiver, there's no Tyreek Hill out there. There's no guy out there that you really think, I got to back up as a corner and give this mm-hmm. guy space. Maybe, you know, Reynolds at times has kind of shown that. But Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods aren't guys that are going to run by you.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I look at Cam Akers almost like an Austin Eckler type, just more, more, yep. like you said, more juice, a lot more elusive uh ability to catch out of the backfield, which I feel like the Rams need to utilize a lot more with his yeah. ability to be able to catch out the backfield and then do some trick plays. I mean, we saw uh on Sunday a trick play with with Josh Allen and Cole Beasley launching in into the end zone. I mean, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't are we ever going to see anything? Do you think McVeigh will be able to mix things up like that to kind of throw some defenses off kilter?
4: You know they run this jet sweep. What's wrong with Cam Akers running the jet sweep? <laughs> Putting two Hello. running backs in the game. I mean that's really what it essentially is: is a running back on the on the as a flanker. I you know I would I would like to see two running backs in the game just to see how the defense adjusts to that and and to give them on, give it to them in the jet sweep. I mean that's what Debo's doing right for the for nine
1: who is
4: essentially a running back <laughs> he's doing I mean, everything and, and he's he's true he's the truth i mean he's just bucking dudes and but it just it, it gives your offense an added element and, and ability to create a chunk play that that's a low risk play for for the quarterback
1: so the rams have you know they they're, obviously the month of december is going to be a very very tough month uh, they have a game against the Seattle Seahawks. Two against the Arizona Cardinals. They got an easy one against the Jets, if you want to call it. If you want to call it easy, um, Got the Patriots. Where do you, and the Patriots as well? So you got you got a pretty you got a pretty tough game with the Patriots as well. Um, where do you see this team? Because I know in the beginning of the season you said this team is capable and you had them pegged as the NFC West winner. Do you still see them as that, or or have you changed their your viewpoint on that?
4: It really just depends on on what Jared shows up. The last part of the season. Wow. If if it's the Jared that we saw against Tampa Bay, then yeah, I, I feel like they could they could get to you know ten and six, and, and win the division. But it but if it's the guy that's going to turn the rock over like against the Niners, and I think it would be hard for them. Uh, to get to the playoffs. So, really, I, I mean, the quarterback is the most important position on the field because he touches it on every play on offense. So, you have to have consistency in terms of your level of expectation what you're going to get week in. Um, I think they're helped by the fact that you know they have, um, I think, three of the next last five games at home. So, that helps them. It's going to be tough to go to Seattle and win, and it's going to be tough to go to Arizona and win because Arizona, Kyler Murray – is, is is doing work you, you've seen him what he's doing week in week out so that's a different team even though I think they've beat their I think McVay 6-0 and against Arizona since he's been uh, uh the head coach and I think they've won those game games by at least 20 points so they've been pretty easy games for them I don't think that's going to be the case this week uh so Jared Goff and how he plays and then I really feel like if they're able to run the football a little more efficiently um then yeah I I feel like they're going to be a playoff team I just don't know if they're gonna be a one or two seed or a six or seven seed.
1: Yeah, that's that's a huge gap. Uh they got a tough, tough game coming up this week at Arizona against the Cardinals, so that should be very interesting. Last thing before I let you get on out of here, I gotta put you on the spot. You have Jared Goff. We have another rising star quarterback in this city known as Justin Herbert. Now, yeah. if you put Justin Herbert on the Rams with, with, with a team that's currently <laughs> constructed. How much better or would they be the same as far as the Rams record and how they, their, their style of play?
4: I'll say this. I mean, obviously, Justin looks like the truth when you watch him week in, week out. He throws, like, the best ball I, I think I've seen since Aaron Rodgers in terms of a guy who just comes in and slings it. Slings. And I liked him when he was out of Oregon. And you probably remember this. I I wrote back in January that the Chargers should, should take him. Um, and they did. And, you know, he's been – He's been balling. He's exceeded expectation. Um, that said, I don't want to kind of fall into that narrative where we say he's bear, better than Jared, even though he's only played in you know eight or nine games. Um, he's he's been very very impressive. But let's give Jared some credit. He did play on a, on a team that went to the Super Bowl, and he, he's put up crazy numbers when you look at just the yards since he's been the starting quarterback for the Rams. So. I think for now, I will go with with Jared just because of what he's done in the league. The other thing I, I have to give Jared Pops to is he shows up week in, week out. You know, Brett Favre always said availability is your number one ability. And he plays through pain. And that that's important, you know, because you know he's going to be out there uh, in the starting lineup every week. That said, I do like the upside of Justin. And if we're talking about then over the next three or four years, I probably would lean towards Justin just because of the talent that is there and his ability to make all the throws. His athleticism, which I think is underrated, because um, he can break out and, and take off for 40-yard runs. And, and that really impacts a defense because as a defense, you can't plan for those unscripted plays. Uh, but right now, you know, I, I would go with golf.
1: Yeah, I, like, I mean, this is the thing with Jared Goff. I think a lot of people don't really understand or really pay attention to. This is really the first time Jared Goff has had an offensive coordinator. When you think of other quarterbacks, like yep. you think of the Roethlisbergers, you think of uh, Kyle Shannon, I mean, uh, excuse me, Kyle, Kyler Murray, rather. You think of Deshaun yeah. Watson, Pat Mahomes. All of those guys have had offensive coordinators from day one. Jared hasn't really had an offensive coordinator. So I, am I wrong to think that there may be some some woes as far as this, just the, the, the chemistry and the timing of Kevin O'Connell merging with Jared Goff and the, those guys remaining on the same page?
4: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also feel like having that that go-between as a person he can talk to and Kevin and that's, that, that can go and talk to McVay about things and having a guy that's coaching him consistently on a regular basis on the field and that play the position in the NFL, I think that's helpful too. But yeah, obviously you're gonna have a transition when you when you have a guy that comes in and, and needs to learn how um you know golf plays and 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 how he responds to coaching and those kind of things. Uh, but I also think that in long term, I think it'll be helpful to have O'Connell there as the offense coordinator.
1: It's definitely proven it's definitely proven worthy, uh, no question. Thank you so much to one and only Eric Williams from Sports Illustrated. Please let everyone know where they can find you and all your great work, sir.
4: Yeah, and thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. You can hit me up on Twitter, Eric underscore D underscore Williams. Sorry about all the underscores, but there's a lot of Eric Williams out there. And then you can find my work on Sports Illustrated on the Rams page uh, at that. at that.
1: All right, the one and only Eric Williams. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to these final five games of the regular season. Hopefully we can get through them without any more uh, COVID-19 issues and uh, see these guys in the playoffs.
4: I hope so, too. I hope they can finish the season and we can get to the playoffs. Thanks again for having me, Nick. I appreciate you, man.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. All right, y'all. Coming up after the break, we'll get into some NBA and Major League Baseball. Can they end the rolling blackout as it pertains to the lack of black American baseball players? We'll get in more in-depth in depth than that. All that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145.
0: This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: All right, y'all. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Talking a little bit of the NBA. Yes, that's right. Training camp is going on or at least about to start very, very soon. Yes, I know. Short layoff, short break. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the NBA. Please help me welcome my next guest. I'm sure you've seen this guy all over the, the, the digital space, him and his partner, TPJ, known as Hoops and Brews. They like to get into it. They like to go at it. I call them the modern day Max and Stephen A or a Shannon and Skip, whoever you want to slice it. But these guys are definitely knowledgeable. They know their stuff. I definitely want to bring one half of Hoops and Brews and H&B Media on board. Please help me welcome the one and only Pavi. What's going on, man? How you doing?
0: I'm good, man. How you feeling? First off, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, man. You know, we, you and I had talked on Twitter a couple of days ago. We were were talking about a particular subject, so I had to have you on, man. I want to get your expertise on it as well. Um, Maybe TPJ might jump in here at some point as well, Uh, but I want to get your expertise since you and I had communicated, and we were talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. Now we know the dominance of what the LA Lakers did. We'll get into that momentarily but the los angeles clippers recently obviously signed sergi baka which was a big move um a, you know a real a, a guy that can really stretch the floor play the four spot have some experience with winning championships obviously have some experience working with Kawhi leonard uh, from their days in toronto um but to me it seemed like they didn't fill the the bigger void that needed to be filled which was not just having a point guard but a point guard with the voice that's so missing in that locker room and you and i you know tpj we've all been in that locker room last season we all know what it was like pre-covid um what are your thoughts on the clippers moves and it also is a is a uh how well do you think uh nick Batum would fit into that that space uh, with the la clippers
0: um well i'm gonna just pick up with nick Batum. first off with nick Batum, i think that we all have to remember that he was a all-star caliber wing when he was in Portland. He was an mm. all-star caliber wing. Even when he that's that's the reason why he got 120 million from Charlotte. It wasn't like they just gave him the money. He was very, very good. Now he has been hurt. He has been ailing for the past, I don't know how many years that made the contract basically laughable at a certain point because he just wasn't out there to play. But when he's there, he's good. Um he's also a guy he can, you know, defend, he can hit a three. He can also play make a little bit. Obviously, you don't want to like, you know, put him at point guard, but he's like in the mode of what you know, I think. Once Scottie Pippen came along, that was kind of like the mode of like a new, you know, forward was. He's kind of like in that mode. Now, do I expect him to go back to his playing days in Portland or even early in Charlotte? I do not, but I do think that if he's in a role where he where, where he can play, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, he can at least help off the bench. Um, as far as them needing the point guard, yes, I do agree. Um, I think that that's one thing that they still haven't field yet. Obviously, you know, maybe they may have some other moves, you know, um, um, you know, um up their sleeves that we don't know about yet. That's a need they haven't filled yet. But I, when even when I think back on the season, I don't think point guard was the reason why they got eliminated in the playoffs and bouncing in the um, second round. I think it was defense. I think that this team just never fully made a commitment to be the best defensive team that they could possibly be. I think the Dallas series, it went it went on too long. Even when Luka had the 40-point game, everybody was crediting Luka. I'm like, yeah, but they just ran the same drop coverage like 30 million times when they actually started switching them up and throwing different looks. He didn't look the same. Even the um, Nuggets series, Jokers ran well. Murphy ran well. I, um, Porter ran well at certain points. I just think that defense was, was something that they – I thought that they would be one of the better defensive teams in the league. When I looked at this team on paper, I looked like, you know, you have Patrick Beverly, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George, you have all these pieces. And to me, they never played as a great defensive unit together. So, yes, I do agree with you. Yeah, like, yes, I, I think that they could definitely use a point guard, even like you saw in certain in um some of those moments. I think when they were getting like yeah. the half court, they would just run ISO with Kawhi, run ISO with PG, or run ISO with Morris. And when the shots weren't falling, they had nothing else to do. But at the same time, I do think that if you defend – at a high level, you can offset some of that because you won't be in the half court as much.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you on the defensive side of the ball. I think that their lack of, of commitment to playing defense definitely uh, was a hurdle uh, that they could not overcome. I agree with you on that. But also, too, because of what we we found out about what was going on in the locker rooms, how guys were bickering with one another. Guys were making little snide comment, uh, me, comments, you know, talking slick. And – You know, if you had leadership like when I went into the Lakers locker room, I didn't hear that. You know, when you had so many big, you had much bigger personalities. Obviously, you had the Lebrons and the Ads, but you had a Dwight Howard personality, you had a Rondo personality, you had JaVale McGee's personality, you had so uh, you know Kuzma's personality. You had so many. Really
0: have bigger personalities though. That's a real question. Like, did you really? Yeah, yeah,
1: you did. Because all these guys have, because I say bigger because you had all these guys came from other spots, right? You look at Dwight Howard, three time defensive player of the year, went to the NBA finals, right? So he's had a voice, he's had a voice for a very long time. Now, he never, he didn't live up to his potential for quite a bit of, of, of time that we thought he should have lived up to, granted. But you had guys like LeBron James, you had Anthony Davis, you had, you know, Ray John Rondo, who now, you know, who's won two championships with two major franchises, but I mean, he, even as a member of the Boston Celtics and even as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans, he was still a floor general. He still had a voice, mm-hmm. you know, so I think you had much bigger personalities and more. not Let not, not, I me mean, not say so much bigger, but more personalities in that locker room that you had to deal with as Frank Vogel. Right. Who I think is still a good coach, but he's not top five on my list. If I'm a pick coaches, if I have choices to choose from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so I'm saying that to say there was a still had a voice in that locker room right when you go across the hall to the Clippers where's the voice in the locker room we didn't hear that and that was been, that's always been my biggest knock is that until they get a guy that's why I was very hopeful that I thought they were going to get John Rondo because I thought Rondo would fit perfect not just as a point guard and what he does on the floor but what he does in the locker room a guy that can galvanize players and let the players know. Hey, look, I've been to the mountaintop twice, three times. If you want to be technical.
0: See, I just think that last year the Clippers players had a lot of agendas. Obviously, like Trez, he's he's in a um, contract year. Also, we have to realize this was the team that you know had that uh, that I want to say shocking series against the Warriors. Like they were kind of a ragtag team, and then you just inject the defending champion. Well, 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 Kawhi Leonard, the the reigning Finals MVP and a guy who was a top three MVP candidate from the from the season before with the leftovers that were there before. So I think you also had, like, fractions within the team. And honestly, I think the Clippers had more individualistic personalities than what the Lakers did. Like, yes, you can say what you want to say about Dwight, but Dwight was halfway out the league. Nobody wanted Dwight. The reason why he was on the Lakers was because Boogie got – if Boogie don't tear his ACL, he probably ain't even there. Anthony Davis, he's Anthony Davis, but at the same time, what have you done in the NBA? Really, it's Braun and it's Rondo. On that team last year, I think Pat Bev probably was the emotional leader last year. Pat Bev was doing this thing. Lou Williams has been the reigning six-man for however how long. Lou, Lou Williams was basically the number one option for the past two, three years. You come now, you third on the list. Then you bring in Morris. Then Patrick Patterson had his little thing that he did on like the, you know uh, internet. Then you bring in Reggie, who I didn't even know that Reggie and PG were best friends like that. I had no idea that they were best friends like that. That's a whole other dynamic. They might have just been hanging around each other and not you know maybe talk to the rest of the team. And also Trey, like I said, Trey was in a was 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 in a contract year, so I would hope that this season um, they failed, and I think that failure was good for them because at too too many times last year. They act like they was the reigning champions. Like, yo, Kawhi won a ring. Kawhi was with the Raptors and they won. Y'all didn't win. So where is this championship pedigree that we heard them talk about so much last year?
1: Yeah, they was on that Bill Cosby. We are rich. No, we are not rich. We not rich.
0: I am rich. (laughs) I am rich. I am Rick. So, so while I do agree with you, like, yes, that was like, yes, maybe like a porn guard, whatever, but I think mm-hmm. they just had a lot of like character issues last year that was on them and was on them to fix, which I'm actually happy that they lost the way they lost because now somebody can come in and, and tell them something like, yo, y'all not all that. I don't care what nobody said. Y'all not all that. You got to listen to me because you know what happened last year.
1: Yeah, well, there's a team that is all that, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers, who, have, who are the 2020 World Champions, despite them being in the bubble or not. They still played extremely hard. Um, it was a, definitely a, a, a heavyweight bout between them and the Miami Heat. But they seem like, I mean, they seem like they went on steroids now. And I don't mean that. I mean, that, you know, figuratively, um, when you added the piece that they've added, I mean, you have Montrez Harrell. Um, you, you added you know, Mark Gasol, who, who's a, a champion a couple of years ago with the Toronto Raptors. Um, you you add to me, which I thought was a bit the best move to me, was Dennis Schroeder. I thought Dennis Schroeder coming to that squad was huge, I thought it was a big time move. What did you think about the Lakers' moves, and how do you think that all ties in? And where do you think they what, what do you think happens with them this season?
0: First, I'm gonna say I like what they did, I still think that they are the favorite. Um, I think losing Rondo hurts. I honestly, I think Schroeder is an upgrade scoring-wise over Rondo. But I don't think you can substitute Rondo's mind, substitute his basketball IQ, and substitute, like you said, even locker room presence. Like, I can only imagine the nights that him and Bron probably stayed up just breaking down film. Or even just like the smaller, little intangibles. Like, one of the players that stands out for me the most in the um, Lakers postseason last year was we think it was game two. Um, I think it was like a basically like a tie game at the end of the third quarter. Rondo picks up a charge on Russ. That's Russ's fifth foul. If Russ doesn't pick up that fifth foul, then you can't go at him pretty much every other possession after that and break the game open. So I think that they got better, but at the same time, I think they also got worse defensively. Like even with Danny Green. Yeah, Danny Green was not making anything, and I think he shot his, his way out of Los Angeles. But he was still defending. Like he was he the reason why he was on the court was because he was still defending. I think that Trez is um better offensively, but a decrease in defense. Marcus, I like Marcus, but even what I saw Marcus last year in the Raptors series, he couldn't stay on the court. He physically couldn't stay on the court. Now, will them getting quote unquote worse defensively matter? It probably won't. Number one, we gotta look at Andy Davis. He's still young, he can improve. And also now he knows what it he, he's he's like, that shot he hit against Denver, I can only imagine what that has done even for his confidence. Now, granted, he's done so much in the league, but even still, I think winning the championship has to give you a certain level of security and just get confidence in yourself. So, as guess all in all, what I'm saying is I think they did get worse defensively, but I think they got better in some areas. I don't think that it would be just like some walk in the park, and I don't think that they just, they just improved um, leaps and bounds over who they were last year. I do think it still will be difficult for them this season
1: really quick let's swing it to the east um uh, we know about you know Giannis uh he still has yet as as right now has yet to to sign that super max deal uh with the Milwaukee Bucks and I'm more inclined to think that he probably won't if he hasn't signed it by now it's more than likely as the days progress it, it goes more in Giannis's favor and less in the favor of the Bucks and the Bucks fans uh but then the east should be pretty competitive I mean we saw what the Miami Heat did last uh well this past season i feel like i don't want to say last season but if because it doesn't feel like it but you know you have the miami Heat with jimmy butler you have the brooklyn nets now with a healthy hopefully healthy uh, kevin Durant and and, uh kyrie urban and then those guys at the depth they have and to me um i think the east is going to be a lot more competitive you got the celtics uh still right up in there um you know you you have I, I like what the hawks have done i don't think they're going to be a, a deep playoff team but i think that they've improved in certain respects um what is your thought what are your thoughts on the east um and who, who comes out of the east in, in your estimation
0: when i look at the east i just don't understand why milwaukee can't get it done like i <laughs> nah, i'm, I'm just, like i just like i just like at like i don't understand even when we look at last season like yeah but like, the Heat beat them, but one game they won with no time on the clock. The other games, like, they had, like, drastic collapses where you know, Jimmy Butler outscored the whole team. Honestly, the games when Giannis didn't play were also what low-key some of the most competitive games in that series. When I look at the Bucks, you had a two-time MVP. You still have Chris Middleton. People say what they want to say about Chris Middleton. To me, Chris Middleton is a bona fide star, not an all-star, a star in the league, a star. He had a basically 50-40-90 season. He's a good defender. He is a star at his position in the league, you pick up Drew Holiday, who people rave about, you know, being one of the um, better perimeter defenders in the entire NBA. You also got Tory Craig. You also got DJ Augustine. I don't understand why the Bucs can't get it done. To me, on paper, they still have the most balanced team. Now, now, if I was looking outside of that, the team I would actually would say low-key would be Philly. If I was looking outside of the Bucks, Philly. I think Philly added shooting that they needed. And also, with the Nets... I love the team, but do we know if they're going to be there? Like, do we know if they're going to be healthy? So, like, do, yeah, do we? that's
1: the key. That's the key right there.
0: Which which even, like, at first when they were talking about getting hard, and I was like, oh, no, don't do it. You're fine. Then I thought to myself, like, well, Kyrie don't really have the best history. KD coming off of Achilles. If they are, they're cool, but we can't even trust that they're going to be there down the stretch. So my question with the Nets is, so if I had to look at another team, I would actually look at the Sixers. I like who they picked up. Mm. I think they added shooting. And as I mean, obviously they have a question with health as well because Ben Simmons had a little knee issue and Joel Embiid, right. you know, he is what he is. But I trust Daryl Morey to put together teams. I I saw what he did with the Rockets, and again, um, I like the fact that they finally picked up shooting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's good too. Ooh, now, we, now we got. We got, got,
3: got. Up, TPJ Let me put my headphones on so we don't get an echo. How you doing today? So so, um, good, man. so, man. so, so let me ask let you me ask the, same point.
1: Point. the East is we know what we know what the West is gonna look like. it's the Lakers and everybody else for the most part, mm-hmm. right? Until they're dethroned. The Eastern conference though seems to be a lot more wide open than we expected it to be, especially when Bogdanovich the deal with, it, with him going to Milwaukee fell through, and we found out that Giannis tried to recruit, re- recruit him, and they they somehow fumbled the ball on the one-yard line. Uh, but then you have other teams like the Celtics that they're still strong. You got the Sixers that'll come on. You got the Brooklyn Nets with, with KD and Kyrie coming back with that depth. Uh, and in Toronto as well. You can't count out really Toronto. So who, in your estimation, comes out of the East?
3: Uh, my estimation, I'm still. Well, well, I'm still taking the bucks. I took them last year. They let me down. Giannis let me down, <laughs> but I would hope that Drew Holiday can be able to, you know, kind of give them enough offensive playmaking. I also think that they have another defender in Torrey Craig. Where last year, if Giannis didn't want to guard Jimmy Butler, Torrey Craig will guard Jimmy Butler. You know, no know, you know, with, and actually probably with ease. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see Jimmy just going out and abusing Torrey Craig. He's a bigger guy, longer defender, lengthier defender. They also signed Brent Forbes uh, from the Spurs, although I don't believe he'll start. He's a great guy um, to come off the bench and shoot, which I believe that, you know, was really what was lacking from them. Eric Bledsoe shot, I believe, 34% from the field goal range and 30% from the three-point line in, I believe, 29 minutes a game during that series um, that they lost last year. So he has to do better. He has to be better. Giannis obviously has to be better. I like, um, you know, the fact that I actually have been seeing a lot of, post uh you know shots and mid-range shots from him in his offseason no dunks in his workouts i love it that's what he has to do he has to expand his range he can't just go out there and spin around like a top or like you know the totem from uh, inception <laughs> thinking he can get to the rim at will you know when teams want to wall up on him and i think him continuing to expand his range is you know it's perfect for him i said zion needs to develop a LaMarcus Aldridge type of mid-range game in order for him to like truly hit his GOAT level. Yes. I feel the same way about Giannis. If Giannis can develop a 16 to 18-foot jumper where you have to guard it, you can't just load up on the paint anymore. That's the thing that made Tim Duncan diff- uh, you know, very difficult to guard. After he lost his athleticism, once he hurt his knee and really jacked up his knee, he learned how to really step out and, and use the glass, work the glass, work the mid-range. He was already good at it. He just took it to another level. And that's what Giannis needs to do. He's not terrible down there. He doesn't look like he doesn't know what he's doing like a Rudy Gobert. He just hasn't put together the full package, which I think he will. I hope he will. So I'm, I'm still sticking with the Bucs. If not the Bucks, I'm going to say the Nets. But the Nets, I just don't believe in that bench. I don't believe in Karis Avert. That's also the reason why James Harden is not in Brooklyn because the Houston Rockets don't believe in Karis thevert. So, yeah.
1: interesting. Yeah, man. I, t- I said early on, Giannis get out here in needs Basketball Streets and spend two weeks with Dream and spend two weeks with Tim Duncan. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if he if he uses those those moves, does his homework. I guarantee you we'll see a different type of Giannis.
3: Yeah, and I actually and think he's going to repeat as MVP. I think they're going to come out, and this year, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they lose like 10 games. Uh, out of 72 mean? games, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose 10 games and he win MVP again, and he win defensive player of the year again. He just has to come out and just be better. But the thing I've been saying mean? about it for years is he hasn't hit his peak. If he if he can get to level 10, he's at level 5 right now, and he's only 26. not Is he 26 yet? I don't even know. I think he's 25. But even
0: but even if he doesn't, I think the Bucks do this thing that they think because Giannis, Giannis, Giannis is the is, is the best player when the game is on line. We have to go to him. Drew oh, Holiday don't. don't care
3: about that. Drew nope, Holiday then, don't. Did you see Drew Holiday with Zion Williamson, and Brandon Ingram? He He's yeah, shooting that ball like he got yeah, drafted number one.
0: Yeah, like like but like no, you don't. You like you you, you can't go to middle Middleton. You can go to Holiday. And I think that that is on coaching. Like TV yeah. says it all the time. Coach Bud be tripping. Coach Bud trips a lot in the Raptors series two years ago. Why the hell did you pull Bledsoe? Well, no, pull heel for Bledsoe. Everybody could see Bledsoe was wild. Keep healing the game. Last year, why, when you need a bucket with 17 seconds left, are you even giving Giannis the ball to let him run up against four people? Give somebody the ball who can actually score. When Giannis wasn't there and Middleton was there and he had to be put, put in a positions where he's actually successful because you have to go to him, those were the most competitive games, and they actually won one of those games.
1: Yeah, I, I stand there. They got to start running the Bel Air offense. Like, you got to stop passing it to Will. Like, you got you, you have to be able to spread the ball. Fellas, I would love to have you on in a couple of weeks. So we can really break down the NBA uh, and really get both you guys on and, and locked in, because I, I definitely want to have you guys on the show again. Please let everyone know where they can continue to follow you all and all your great work, and congratulations on all the new ventures as well.
0: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at RealTPJ. That's R-E-E-L-T-P-J. You can also, if you're looking to start your own podcast and you don't want to use software and you just want somebody to produce it, go and check me out at TPJTV.com. We will help you produce your podcast and bring it to the world.
0: Um, as always, for, for follow me on Twitter at P-A-V-E-R-S, P-A-V-E-R-S, all one word. That's Twitter and Instagram. Go check out paver I also am an artist as well. So go check out my new record, Letter to My Exes. Like I said, paver That's That's verbs. it's all one word.com.
1: There you go. Two of the most talented guys I know keep me on my toes most definitely. Thank you guys so much for coming on TMA with Nick Hamilton and I look forward to talking to you guys soon.
0: Thank Thank you
1: all right, y'all. That'll wrap it up here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Thank you so much. I know we didn't get a chance to talk MLB, but we'll get into that next week, hopefully, and they're rolling blackout when it comes to developing more Black American baseball players. Thank you so much for tuning in. You me. You're checking me, Make sure you check me out on all things social media at Nick Hamilton L.A. Until next week, stay sharp. I'm out.
0: The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions
1: of Slam Radio.